The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. When it comes to compliance, communication is just as important as systems, regulations, or reporting. From managing a crisis to keeping up with international developments to just having a laugh, Russ Berlin joins Tom Fox to talk about making the conversation around compliance fun, engaging, and ultimately more effective. Finally, why is pizza the secret weapon of a CCO? Join hosts Tom Fox and Russ Berlin to explore these and other issues on this premiere of The Compliance Life on the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm joined today by Russ Berlin. He's the Chief Compliance Officer at Aventive Technologies. We're here today to talk about one of my favorite topics and favorite lessons learned from a Chief Compliance Officer, and that is Chief Compliance Officers, Compliance, and Pizza. So, Russ, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me. Thank you, Tom. Always appreciate having a chance to chat with you. Russ, I think many compliance officers have taken up the clarion call for pizza since you started issuing it many years ago. But why don't you tell us why you found pizza to be the key to being a successful compliance officer? (laughs) Absolutely. So, and I'll take a little bit of a journey here. In beginning to do compliance work, I found that there was a certain silo or isolation to it that said, you know, compliance officer is over there. They're making sure that we're not violating the big laws and, you know, let's just let them do their work. As a compliance officer, what I figured out was that I needed to be engaged with pretty much everyone who has some influence within the company. So that means the the controllers, the internal audit folks, the head of HR, the head of security, anybody that can have some influence on whether or not we actually are meeting our mandate to prevent and detect violations of law. And the compliance is really most effective when it's most influential. So I found the secret weapon in that arsenal to build those relationships was to buy lots and lots of pizza. And I would bring together these groups of all these people, have strategy sessions, but it was funny that When the pizza came out, people started talking, sharing about what was really going on in their organizations, who they were as people, what they were looking for. And it broke down a lot of the barriers that often exist to say, well, that's the compliance guy. So I learned this lesson initially at Hewlett Packard when I was there. And we were setting up something that at the time was called the Standards of Business Conduct Compliance Team, SBC Compliance Team. And we needed to bring together all of those different groups, information security as well. And so brought them together and brought in lots and lots of pizza and just had conversations. I led a strategic planning session and we came up with a framework at that time that really established the way in which we were going to do 
investigations with multidisciplinary kind of resources in a way that had governance around it. So anyway, that's sort of the starting point. But really, pizza is another way of saying, do something that indicates, first of all, that you're a human being, that you care about people and you want to take care of them. But second, that connecting with all these folks that are in the organization really is the key to success. Russ, you're a lawyer by professional training and you've worked in legal in your career as well. I was wondering if you could uh, tell us about how you got into the CCO role or started rather in the compliance role. Sure. Well, again, that was goes back to Hewlett-Packard. This is around 2002. I was part of Compaq and Compaq was being merged into Hewlett-Packard and large portions of the legal department from Compaq were being phased out at that time. And so I was getting ready to wander off and go take another job as an associate general counsel somewhere. And I got a call from a friend of mine in HR that said, we're setting up this compliance group. Why don't you come be part of it? And when I started talking to them and realized that a lot of the fraud abatement work I had been doing as an attorney related directly to the kind of things that they were looking to do, but they had a great deal of information and knowledge about how to do these things. But I also had a lot of insights into how these things happen in real life and you know why people do bad things. As I used to joke, it, for a period of time, I kind of lived at the dark underbelly of corporate life, chasing down lots of bad guys and fraudsters. So it was a good opportunity for me to take those skills and bring them into the compliance environment. Uh, at that point, I effectively stopped acting as a lawyer for the company and started operating more as a as a risk and a business person. And frankly, we had a lot of fun in those days. But going back to pizza, one of the first things that I learned was that there were a lot of people doing their own thing that really weren't interacting with others. And so as an example, someone would call in about a particular issue that led to an investigation. And that person might reach out to employee relations and there's a conversation. Someone else might notice it and go to security. Someone else might go to internal audit. Someone else might actually reach out to the ethics or SBC team. And each of those groups would all of a sudden spawn their own investigation over the same issue. And it didn't make any sense. And people were getting mad at each other, felt like they were messing up each other's investigations, kind of muddying the water show up to do an interview and found out that person's been interviewed twice before. So that was why we started out with this whiteboarding exercise of how do we get all these folks to talk together that ultimately led to long sessions and lots of pizza and created a governance organization at that time. Uh, Again, this SBC compliance team. And I wish I knew how many boxes of pizza we bought as we took it from an idea to an actual group. Russ, since that time at HP, you've had other journeys in compliance. I was wondering if you might be able to share with us some of the places you've worked around compliance and even as a consultant and or in private practice where you assisted companies with compliance. Sure. So from Hewlett Packard, I moved over to a professional services firm called Bearing Point. Bearing Point still exists internationally. It does not exist in the U.S., It was a professional services firm with about 17,000 consultants in about 160 countries. So we were very spread out, a lot of places, 
a lot of very interesting issues, set up the compliance program there from really ground zero. Bearing Point was a company that went IPO. It was the KPMG Consulting was the original organization, had been spun off under the independence rules from KPMG, and then IPO had become Bearing Point. We used to joke that the infrastructure was such that if you wanted to build a house, the first thing you had to do was build a hammer. It just needed a lot of infrastructure. And with the compliance program, we had some issues that we had to deal with, particularly in China, where, you know, there are certain people that like to wander around with suitcases full of red envelopes. And we might have had one of those issues. So we set up a program very quickly and brought in staff, trained them, set up a program from ground zero and ended up with a staff of about 14 there managing global compliance. When the 2009 credit crisis hit, Bearing Point, because they had a large debt to equity ratio, really was not well prepared for that. And so they ended up going into bankruptcy. At that time, I transitioned over to be outside counsel with a couple of different firms. And a lot of the work that I was doing there related to Foreign Corrupt Practices Act kind of issues, international investigations, spent a lot of time internationally. And I used to joke that I would probably, I think I had done compliance and investigation work on all six inhabited continents. And since the penguins have not gotten in trouble, I haven't had any reason to go to Antarctica. So it's been quite a journey. For a while there, the FCPA part was really very interesting. A lot of work in Africa, a lot of work in Australia and in South America. The transition then more recently before this last position was that I started doing a lot more privacy-related work, actually got certified under the IAPP as a certified information privacy professional. And that has also guided a lot of the work that I've done. And frankly, it was one of the reasons I ended up in the role that I'm in now. So Russ, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Tom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.